Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the hotbed. Um, this is series three. This is our first episode. We're coming back with a bang. Um, and I'm Anarchy Somerville. I'm Lisa Williams. And today we've got a really exciting show. It's We're interviewing Viv Groskop all about confidence. And this is actually something we've talked about before at the hotbed. But um, this time we're kind of thinking a little bit more about why are women so underconfident. Uh, we're thinking about a bit how it relates to how we are in the bedroom as well. Um, and how do we develop more presence and there's some great tips in there if you've got a big presentation coming up or even if you just want to broach a conversation with your partner um, I think you'll find some really good tips One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes Nice dress uh, It's a it's a t-shirt Until you tried it on Same goes for your healthcare that's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. And I'm just really happy to be back in the studio for Series 3. Long time no see. I know, I haven't seen you at all. And actually, your hair's grown about four inches. Um, I think you look like a completely different person. So I've missed you completely, because obviously we haven't really seen each other that much over the summer. But we've been busy, haven't we? We have. And we did meet up once, and importantly, at the Hotbed live show recording, which was really fun. 
that happened in between seasons and it's going to come up later in the series I think it might be episode three but I think that whether you were there or whether you were not I think you're going to enjoy it Mm, it was a really good session and uh I think every time we do an event now, I feel heartened because I kind of realise that there's so many people out there, women who are kind of struggling with similar issues, wanting to find, I don't know, more sexual satisfaction, but also just to have fun. Um, and the events are always fun. I think we always get quite jazzed beforehand, feel quite anxious, mm. worried about how it's going to go. And then, I mean, I'm not blowing our own trumpet, but they go pretty well, don't they? Yeah, let's blow our own trumpet for a second. (laughs) It was really good. I really enjoyed it. It was lovely meeting everyone that came down. Thank you. And for those of you that couldn't make it, listen, I think it will be episode three, but also we have a little discount for you for sex toys because that was the topic of the show. And we recorded it at Shush Woman's Store and they kindly have extended their discount to you at home so listen out for that so that was good you say my hair's grown by four inches well anarchy not being rude but your stomach has grown by about well that's rude why could that be (laughs) well i am actually carrying a small person and i'm in the latter stages now so i think officially in the third trimester Mm. um so actually it's been fine i was saying to someone else actually earlier that i think up until now because it's a second pregnancy I was almost not noticing that it was happening and then suddenly about two weeks ago my body was like it's happening dude you better get with the program holy shit I'm pregnant (laughs) and uh and I've had so many comments about how large I am and how unwieldy and I've already got to the stage where I don't have to wear the badge on the train usually I mean I'd like to say people always give up my seats and things um I'm definitely getting into the nervous category um I'm starting to think this is a reality um, and this is something that I love but also something that's going to be quite tough so I've I've invested in some good quality M&S, M&S pyjamas mm-hmm. I've invested in some lavender spray mm-hmm. um, I've started already reading a book about how to have a lovely night's sleep when you've got a newborn which I'm just reading just to make myself feel a bit better mm-hmm. um, and aside from that actually we haven't we haven't done anywhere near as much prep I'm going to take some credit for this bun in your oven because I wasn't there at the actual conception Mm. but doing the hotbed um I think has I think encouraged a bit more shagging both Mm. from within the hotbed collective and and from beyond and what I would love to know is if any of you listeners have also conceived a hotbed baby has there been anything in our show that has helped you talk to your partner that has helped you have an orgasm that has helped you get down and dirty we want to know that anyway but if any of that down and dirtiness has led to a pregnancy well I kind of want to be there at the birth mm, you're a bit like it's a bit like Barry White like they say Barry White he's probably responsible mm. for hundreds and hundreds of babies mm. and now our, our sexy podcast hopefully has mm. done that too and if it hasn't yet then if you would like to press play now while you're in the room with your partner and start getting it on then feel free to do so in the Tom Jones song I think, you know, when he talks about, he sings the lyric sex bomb. Mm. Sex bomb, sex bomb, you're a sex bomb. Do you remember that one? Yeah, of course, of course. Well, is one of the lyrics in that song, love's blown a hole in your tights? I don't know. Because I really, honestly, there's one little bit where he goes, love's blown a hole in your tights. And I've, I've just thought that that was such a good description of what can happen if you're really overwhelmed 
on a sort of one night stand or you know romantic basis that actually the love is so strong that the crutch of your tights has exploded now we are talking to Viv well Anarchy spoke to Viv about confidence in public speaking and how that can be translated into your lives into your relationship into the bedroom it was fun talking to her from what it sounds like well you know what it was I think she's somebody um uh, I could get a little bit stalkerish with her but I didn't say that when she was in the room only because she's done so many incredible things the stand-up does the stand-up I mean to me anyone who can get on stage in an environment where people are openly shouting at you and heckling mm. you um, it's, it's quite a masculine environment I think that's incredible um, and actually the book that she's written it could potentially be quite boring you'd think oh god more presentation tips about you know feeling good about myself and throwing my head back and putting lipstick on I think she manages to avoid all of that and she avoids the cliches and instead what she does very tidily is she just looks at different speakers and points out, you know, how they're doing it and how they're getting it right. I'm really excited today because I've got Viv Grosskop in um, and Viv is one of those people, when I was actually reading your bio, I was thinking, what don't you do? Because basically... (laughs) You've done stand-up, uh, you've got two podcasts, you're a writer, um, you're a TV person as well, you've been on TV shows. Um, I do what too else? many things, Anarchy. Well, you're one of these annoying people that they call a multi-hyphenate, aren't you? So oh, basically, yeah, I am a 45-year-old multi-hyphenate, so I'm very proud of this. I'm probably one of the oldest multi-hyphenates in the world. Well, I'm I'm also 45, so oh. and I like to think of myself as a multi-hyphenate too. So great for 45. Well, Lisa said it's because I'm maybe having a boy, and she's got a theory that when you're having a boy, it injects more glow into your face. Right. Okay. Whereas when you're having a girl it saps all of your I need energy to get impregnated with a boy really quickly <laughs> i wouldn't advise it at 45 <laughs> it's, it's, hard, for it's it. hard going um <laughs> but listen i've just i've almost finished actually i'm on the last chapter of your book because your brilliant book is called how to own the room um women in the art of, of brilliant speaking um and that's another thing that you do isn't it that you basically do sort of coaching Um, Is it just for women or is it for everybody? Um, It's mostly for women. So I do this executive performance coaching, it's called, for usually groups of women, sometimes individual women. And it's something that came up completely organically after I started doing stand-up. I started stand-up about seven or eight years ago when I was in my... Yes, so mid to late 30s. I usually say mid 30s and that's a lie because it would make me younger than I really am and I've just revealed my true age. Um, So when I started doing stand-up, lots of people I know would say to me, oh, will you come and talk to us about at work about what it's like and about how you managed to do it and how you've overcome your nerves. And so I started to go into workplaces and talk about stand-up and I wrote a book called I Laughed, I Cried about starting stand-up. And then that just kind of seamlessly went into this zone where I then started coaching people and I absolutely love it. It's funny, in my old life, I, you know, I used to be in a corporate world And one of the experiences I had was that men always overestimated how good they were at their presentation skills. So they'd kind of walk away from a presentation. I mean, it is a generalization, but generally they'd walk off and they'd they'd have the sense that it had gone quite well. Um, And women, even if it had gone quite well, were immediately saying, oh, I fluffed that one line. 
and my hand was shaking. Or I kept doing that funny thing with my arm, you know. So they were already unpicking it, even if it had gone quite well. And why do you think there is that tendency? Is it just the gender bias, the way that we're raised and the culture that we live in? Yeah, well, this is something so interesting and controversial. I think it's really easy to generalise about these things, as you say. But at the same time, we all recognise the grain of truth in it. We've all seen it. You know, we've seen it in ourselves. We've seen it at work. You know, only the, uh, this morning I had an email from a writer who wants to send me her book um, for a thing that I'm doing. And then she just sent me another email this morning saying, oh, I hope you don't hate it. Mm. And I was like, no, don't say that. <laughs> don't say that. But that's a very typical example of the sort of things that women do. We self-deprecate all the time. We anticipate judgment. And I think when you ask about nature and nurture and how we're raised... I think it's just all to do with social context. In the context of speaking and work, women do have this sense that they're being judged and scrutinized and they see it in the public arena. You know, you only have to look at the most prominent prominent presidential campaign that a woman has ever run, Hillary Clinton's, to see how scrutinized a woman is and how her speaking is pulled apart. Everything that she does is wrong. Um, her hair's too perfect, her hair's too messy, she's got too much makeup, she's got not enough makeup. You know, that scrutiny is never applied to a man, even a man as flawed as Donald Trump. So we see these things writ large on a political canvas, and then we see them in a really small way in our lives, you know, at work when, yeah, like you say, a woman will get up and do a pretty good presentation and afterwards she'll say, oh yeah, but I missed out that bit about X. Mm. I mean, it's funny, isn't it? Because, I mean, your book is very much about instilling confidence in women. Um, And there's lots of really good techniques in it, um, which I hadn't heard of before, actually. I'd heard of um, Amy Cuddy doing the power pose Power posing, like Wonder Woman, hands Um, on hips. Which, I mean, do you think, I mean, you said if you're going to do that, go into a toilet and do it, because some people have misinterpreted it. Yeah, Mm. and they've sort of thought that, no, it's actually about, I need to stand like that while I'm presenting. But what's the thinking behind that? Is it just about taking up more space or is it actually just opening up? Because there is a tendency, isn't there, to sort of you hunker down and you stop breathing and you try and disappear. Um, Yeah, the Amy Cuddy thing is really interesting. So for people who don't know, Amy Cuddy did one of the most watched TED Talks ever. I think it's still in the top 10, about 15 million views. And in this TED Talk, she talks about her research as a Harvard sociologist. So this is scientific data that she's collected about the effect on the brain if you stand in an open power pose. So an open power pose is hands on hips, uh, hips, uh, legs wide apart, Wonder Woman, chest out. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm doing or, it now. Doing it now. And or you can do hands in the air, crossing the finishing line like mm-hmm. Usain Bolt. It does. I must. I mean, it is funny because it does feel. It opens you good. immediately. It feels yeah. good. She measured the. Um, levels of testosterone and um, other chemicals in people's brains when they did this for between two minutes and five minutes. She made them hold hold these poses and it increased their testosterone levels in their brain, which is what gives you confidence. I hope I'm saying this correctly. If anyone scientific is listening, then please write to my Twitter and complain and explain to me what it really is. But that's the gist of it. 
Um, it was very popular. A lot of people really identified with the idea of it and thought this sounds great. I'm going to try it. A lot of people reported that it worked. Since then, Amy Cuddy has received a lot of flack from other people in that sociology academic community saying mm, you didn't really do enough testing of this we can't say it really works it's all a bit wishy-washy so it's slightly been discredited but I have tried it with loads of different groups of people and I think that even if it has a placebo effect I think it really works it's a psychological thing it's not really a physical thing I mean, obviously, at the hotbed, we're kind of interested in how can that translate? I mean, you mentioned a bit about sort of body confidence um, and even, I suppose, taking it a step further from the boardroom into the bedroom. From that the sounds boardroom like a, to from the, the bedroom. boardroom into the bedroom. That's the title of my next book. Um, there is, unfortunately, a tendency that, that is quite common where women are just not always assertive in terms of what they enjoy um, whether they want particularly particular things done or they want to do particular things. I mean, even we've found that sometimes when people are talking about porn, you know, they kind of curl up into a little ball and want to disappear. Do you think, you know, having a conversation with your partner, an open conversation about sex, for example, can we learn anything from this book in terms of confidence? Is it the same things apply that essentially... If we can, <laughs> I love this. Like you have to go and stand as Wonder Woman in the bathroom well, for, for five and, minutes yes. before you. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm really relating to this idea that there's lots of little voices in your head churning around. What's he going to say? Oh God, this is stupid. I can't talk about this now. I've got a hundred million other things to do. Do you think you can sort of use some of these skills that you've learned, confidence skills, really, to broach some of those difficult subjects? And also, I guess, just be a bit more assertive and have more presence. Oh, I th that's such a great question, Anarchy. I love that question. I'm going to have to write How to Own the Bedroom yeah, instead of How to Own one. the Room. Well, really, it is a book that is about female performance anxiety. So, yeah, you're right to draw the parallel, although there's nothing explicitly about sex in the book. One of the messages that I'm trying to get across, which in the book is really about public, the public space, it's trying to find a way of being that you feel comfortable with and that you're comfortable sharing with other people. And for some people that might be quite guarded and quite closed. For other people that might be about being more intimate and more vulnerable. You know, like if you think of somebody like Oprah, then they connect, she connects with people by being really intimate and vulnerable. And I think that's some, a message that you can take into your private life as well. So whether you're having a difficult conversation in a relationship or you're facing some kind of sexual challenge, like a subject that you want to broach or something, be thinking of just a way that you can be that is relaxed and that just feels like you're being yourself and try and create an environment where, yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking of really basic things like don't have that conversation when you're really tired. Just like the same way that if you were preparing for a speech, you wouldn't have a really heavy night the night before. Mm. You know, so, I mean, I'm not saying like, treat your sex life as if you're preparing for a work presentation. Well, this is um, your, yeah, from boardroom to bedroom. Yeah, yeah I'm not <laughs> suggesting that. But I think sometimes in particular, and I'm thinking of some of the questions that I get on my podcast, Dear Viv, as well, that are often about, conversations people don't really want to have in relationships about anything from adultery to mismatch of libido often people are reporting having these conversations at the worst possible time you know the worst possible time to have a conversation about sex is 
when you're just about to have sex. Mm. Or when you're in the midst of an argument yeah, about something when, else. Exactly. Or when it's a Sunday night and it's sort of 11.30 and you both should have already gone to bed. It's very interesting for me to think about this because I always feel slightly that I'm a, a bit aside from all of these conversations about sex because I've been with the same man for 20 years. Mm. <laughs> You're which, the same as is, me. We right, are the same person. Okay. Yeah, I have three kids. You know, my kids are 8, 12 and 14. Um, I, yeah, I've been with my husband for 20 years uh, next month and we will have, yeah, we've been married for 18 years. So, I mean, I haven't even done any internet dating you know, the internet wasn't properly invented when I met my husband. So I find it really fascinating to hear about how much younger women feel about this and how women of my age and older who, who are single, whether they've been single for a long, long time and, you know, playing the field or they're newly single because they've come out of a long relationship. And it's extraordinary to me that the insecurities that I had in my late teens and early 20s have not gone away <laughs> I just I kind of find it really sweet in a way that everybody is still so vulnerable and that you know women still go into a bedroom and think oh could you turn the lights out because like I've got some cellulite on my bum I mean really you know that was a question in Cosmopolitan in 1978 it's it's extraordinary so I guess part of the way you could apply some of the messages in my book to uh to your sex life is this slightly brutal attitude that I'm not afraid of putting across in the book of like, just get over it. You know, yeah, you've got some cellulite on your bum. So what? Mm. If there is someone who does not like the cellulite on your bum, go and find someone else. And the same, you know, if, if you're in a if you're doing a speech and you feel it doesn't go well, too bad, do another one. You know, it's very um, important to, to be aggressive about these things sometimes I think to be aggressive with our own self-doubt and another thing I mean we're really passionate about is this whole um, orgasm inequality and the orgasm gap and the fact that you know um, many women don't orgasm when they have sex um, and generally report far lower frequencies of orgasms um, yes I find this so fascinating which and disturbing it is disturbing um, and I just wondered I mean how can we Walked, we've kind of talked a bit at the beginning about kind of the social context we're in. We are in a patriarchy. There's lots of things going on. Um, what in your mind can we do to sort of close this gap a bit? I really can't believe that in the 21st century, there's this huge gap between the amount of orgasms that heterosexual men, homosexual men and... Um, I guess, bisexual or lesbian women have compared to heterosexual women. Heterosexual women, rise up! Rise up and start asking. You know, I think... I don't know. I mean, I'm almost... I'm almost nervous to suggest why this is happening because I find it so upsetting that women not able to say, actually, I didn't come. This is not over. I wonder Hello? whether, yeah, <laughs> I wonder, it, it ties back into that sort of slightly apologetic stance that we women can have more than men, perhaps, where, because I can't imagine sort of, I don't want to go on a man beating mission, because that's not what it's about, but. Unless that's productive but, for your orgasm, obviously. Yeah, but it's kind of, you know, not, not many men would would have sex and not have an orgasm and I suppose part of it is that you can tell you know more yeah, readily I, if somebody I think, has I think possibly because it is a physiological thing and yes you're right if a man has sex and doesn't have an orgasm then I guess he thinks that he hasn't had sex mm. and that becomes a physiological thing and a cultural thing 
and culturally we're we're very forgiving and we just think oh well you know maybe this is just how it works like when you have sex the man always has an orgasm I don't and it's just acknowledging that speaking that out loud and seeing that that thinking has entered the culture and it's like psychologists say if you bring something to your awareness you can start to work on it you know once you realize that actually you've secretly been thinking that you can maybe start to think, mm, is that really the world that I want to live in? And if not, what do I need to do to change it? And changing it is going to involve talking and asking and being honest about your desires. And maybe sometimes saying, oh, actually, I just can't be bothered this time. Who is your favourite speaker? Because, I mean, it's difficult to pick one, isn't it? Uh, I sort of sensed when I was reading that Oprah was coming through, but then Joan <laughs> Rivers was another one. And I was sort of thinking... Because it made me think again about Oprah because I absolutely adore her. And I grew up watching a lot of her show, her TV show, when she had really dodgy hair and pastel jackets. I mean, right from the beginning. Um, and I just think she can't really... I've never seen her flustered. I don't think I've ever seen her on a bad, have a bad day. She's often very open and vulnerable. So she has cried a lot on live television. And... I think she has lost her temper on occasion as well. And she is very open in her writing. I'm a long-time subscriber of Oprah magazine. Oh, Are you? Do you actually? So I bought it once. Oh, and I, I was love too it so much. And she writes, uh, she always writes an editor's letter in a back page column in that. And she talks a lot about the difficulties that she has. And one thing I love about Oprah is that she's open about how difficult she can find speaking sometimes, despite all of her experience. And if you look at that amazing Golden Globe speech that she gave um, at the beginning of this year for her Lifetime Achievement Award, she told um, an interviewer afterwards that the reason the speech was so carefully measured, it's got a real rhythm to it, and there's a slowness in her speech that's quite unusual for her it's because she had dry mouth mm. she forgot to drink before she to drink water I was not suggesting opus and alcoholic mm. <laughs> and she forgot to drink water before she went on stage and she couldn't move her mouth properly so she realized I'm going to have to really enunciate and move my lips over my teeth to get this over and you can actually watch it back you can actually see her doing that also she said afterwards that she had been told, I think she was doing an eight minute speech and she's told you're only going to have five. And because it's the Golden Globes, they start playing the music over you. To, to and you she away. was thinking, but this is my time's up, my time's up speech. Mm. This is my moment. And so she had to do two things at once. She had to talk really slowly so that she could get her words out because her mouth was dry. And she had to try and talk really fast in case they started playing the music. <laughs> so, to imagine that even Oprah is going through something like that, I think is really inspiring and brilliant. And she just carried it off anyway. What would you say is a one piece of advice just to start along that road? Um... My one piece of advice is quite brutal. So I do enjoy a brutal piece of advice, a bit of tough love. It's very Oprah, I like to think. Um, as Oprah says, there is no prejudice against excellence. Mm. So just be excellent. Um, no, that's not my, <laughs> not my piece of advice, but it's brutal. I think when we get nervous and we're anxious in any social situation, whether it's meeting new people, seeing people we haven't seen for a while, having a difficult conversation, or in a work context, or in a public performance context where you've got to do a keynote in front of loads of people, if you're getting really nervous and anxious, it's because you are too focused on yourself. 
And there's almost, this is where the brutal bit comes in, there's almost a bit of narcissism there. And it's in all of us. Because narcissism is actually healthy. You know, self-regard is important. It carries us through life. But having too much of it is not good. So when you start to feel those those moments of anxiety and nervousness, I immediately think, what about the other people? What have they been going through? This person who I'm meeting, could they have something going on in their life that I just don't, I know nothing about and that I'm never going to find out about? What if there's somebody in the audience who's just found out that their kid is sick and they couldn't cancel because they paid loads for this ticket? What if there's somebody in the audience who actually doesn't know if they can get through this without throwing up? or needing to go to the loo? <laughs> what if there's somebody in the audience who's hung over? <laughs> like, think about the other people, because they're going to be going through loads of, loads of things that you'll never even find out about. It's funny, isn't it? Because it's almost like saying, get over yourself. It is. It's brutal, but um, it's true. Yeah. Well, I want to say thanks so much for coming in. Um, and I found it really inspiring. And I want to see you do... Are you still doing stand-up? Now? I am. I am. I'm... Uh, I guess... I'll be working towards a new Edinburgh show at some point. Right. I'm, I, it's, what is it, October now? I'm I'm recovering from the last show, which I finished in August, which mm. was called Vivalicious. Um, but yeah, I'll be working on a new show soon. I just have so much, I mean, honestly, stand-up, that that to me is, I mean, that's like going into space. That's That just feels like such a, a big step to take. Um, <laughs> in terms of just One being... small step for just being so terrifying. Um, It's either for you or it's not for you. That's what I'll say about stand-up. I love it. So I hope we learnt a lot from that. Um, Even if actually, even if listeners just took one thing away, which would be your body language or actually how to move from head into another area because we can get very noodly. Um, try the power pose so try putting your hands on your hips not while you're presenting but before you go into a difficult situation try putting your arms in the air try taking up space Um, try and basically move your brain into your stomach or heads shoulders knees and toes head shoulders knees and toes another yeah exactly anything that takes you out of that horrible ruminating mindset um and I wanted to ask I mean Lisa I wanted to ask you I mean she talks about people like Oprah Michelle Obama uh, Joan Rivers, J.K. Rowling. These are all the speakers. Who's your favourite public speaker? It doesn't have to be a woman, of course. It could be a guy. Yeah, so this is an embarrassing confession, but whenever I'm on the way to record this podcast, The Hotbed, I actually listen to other podcasts to get me into the that kind of confident frame of mind because there are some speakers who... I don't want to try and be like them, but I just really enjoy how they present themselves on a podcast. So the two podcasts I listen to are Adam Buxton. I love him. Which we both love, but there's a particular episode where he talks to Louis Theroux, who I also love. And the two of them have known each other for years because they went to school together and they have a very easy rapport. They're not afraid of that sort of silence, I think because they've known each other for so long and that leads to really great conversations that are very funny because there's no kind of chats. They're just very at ease. And Mm. I think that's uh, that's how I feel with you, Anarchy. But Mm. at the same time, it's always good to be reminded of how that kind of conversation can flow. And the other one I listen to, and I've talked about this a lot and at length, but Call Your Girlfriend, which is an American one. And the two hosts, Aminatou So and Anne Friedman, are... 
brilliant speakers, but they're also brilliant listeners. And they've got great empathetic skills when they're talking to each other. They often echo each other's words. They really listen. They say yes and then expand on points rather than being aggressive with each other or trying to outdo each other. And I love their rapport, but I also love how they see the world and how they present their opinion, how they're not afraid to have an opinion and how they work through ethical and moral and political dilemmas. What are we going to set for homework for people? Well, I wondered, I mean, it's, I would love, and actually if you do read the book, I think she puts quite a few challenges in there, but I think in the next week, try and do one bit of assertiveness or having more presence or putting yourself out there. And that might be in a conversation with your partner. It might be actually just when you're meeting a group of people for the first time, maybe even taking your tips about attending something and befriending someone. Um, being a bit more of a risk taker and I think that's kind of try and do one thing that makes you feel uncomfortable and just see what happens and I think just remember that advice actually in the interview which is that nobody really gives a shit and nobody really notices mm. um, so for you it might feel like the biggest thing in the world mm. but the reality is is that most people are just like we are and they're consumed inside their own little universe so have a think about which scenarios make you feel confident which people you would like to channel when you want to be confident, how to start a conversation. And do let us know. Be in touch. We love it when we hear from you. The best way to contact us, I think, is via Instagram. So we're at The Hotbed Collective. Oh, here's another announcement. We're now on Twitter as well. And we are at The Hotbed on Twitter. So get ready for me to um, be like silenced out of Twitter because I've been too controversial and everyone's hounded me. Um, let me get involved in some Twitter rows. You always hear about Twitter rows, don't you? And I want to get, mm. I'm, I'm ready for some Twitter rows. Um, so we're at The Hotbed on Twitter. Please come and follow us. We're at The Hotbed Collective on Instagram. Send us a DM. Send us some love. Send us some feedback. Send us your underpants. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. 
Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.